Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Malou. Speaking to you after the Raptors avoid embarrassment and come from behind to defeat the Charlotte Hornets, exacting a measure of revenge after probably one of their most disappointing games of the season when they lost to the Hornets uh, in Charlotte last week. Uh, Raptors win this one by a score of 114 to 99. Um, and it was, a, it was a really good second half. Second half was really good. Second half was noteworthy. Second half featured a lot of what you would expect to see from this team, which is, you know, uh, Pascal and Scotty Barnes leading the way. And, and by leading the way, I mean, re- they really led the way. Pascal tonight, 27 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, directing a ton of the offense in the second half uh, with the bench unit, but also with the closing unit as well. He had 11 of 16 shooting for those 27 points. And then Scotty Barnes was also awesome. 22 points, 17 rebounds, including five offensive and seven assists to go with three blocks. Honestly, had like two or three more that were like 50-50, almost goal 10, could have easily been called one way or the other. Uh, That could have also been on his ledger. But those two carried the way for the Raptors on another night where, again, they were just kind of lifeless. They were kind of, you know, lost, uh, rudderless. You know, some interesting decisions made by Darko in this one, and I'll give him credit because he changed it up today. You know, I've been going pretty hard about this idea of, look, if you're not winning, at least try something new, at least change it up. And we haven't been treated to largely the same kind of ideas, largely the same kind of approaches. Today, entirely different approach, and, and that's where I'll give him credit. He recognized that this was not a game for Yaka Pertl. So we're going to cut his minutes. He recognized that this was not a game for OG Anobi. And typically there are lots of games where, um, well, there are lots of games where they close anyway without Jakob on the floor. That's nothing new. But to the degree that the Raptors benched Jakob today, I mean, Jakob didn't feature in this game at all in the fourth quarter. And he was the first substitute out in the first half or in the, in the uh, third quarter as well. So you're looking at a situation where Jakob only played 15 minutes, including nothing of the last 18 minutes of the game, and it really helped the Raptors flip the game because they were able to get spacing, they were able to rotate better. Just a, a number of advantages, and I'll get into those later on. But the other thing is, typically you wouldn't say, well, you know, you want to see uh, OG sit. On tonight's game, I wanted to see OG sit. This was one of the, well, I want to be a hyperbolic. So I would just say really plainly, this was one of the worst games I've seen OJ Anobi play for the Raptors in the last two, three seasons since he's become a consistent full-time starter. Um, it was shocking to see this one. Bad decisions on offense, uh, missed shots, wasn't particularly impactful defensively either. And for a large portion of the game, I actually just didn't even want to see him come into the game. And typically OG is a situation where you want to use him for, you know, pretty much all matchups. You, you always need defense. You always need three-point shooting, but you did not see that tonight from OG and OB. But listen, let's, let's go away from the negatives. Let's just actually just cover the game in general. So once again, the Raptors get off to a slow start. Uh, stop me if you heard this one before. Raptors had to call the first timeout 12 to 9, down 12 to 9. Uh, by the way, the Raptors opened in the first five minutes with three turnovers by Jakob Pertl and Dennis Schroeder combined. Why they even have the ball enough to commit five turnovers to begin the game is beyond me. But all the stuff that Darko tries to run, it's not really leading anywhere. And ultimately, it just felt like, okay, are we just, can we just get this part over with? 
and fast forward to the part where Pascal gets featured in the offense to the point where OG, you know, gets a chance to get featured and he got that chance and he didn't take it. So let's go to Scotty as well. Can we get to that point? Let me just fast forward to it because start of the game, just bad bounce passes, lackadaisical, high low feeds. Like it just wasn't working against this team. And it's like, why do we even need to insist on trying this? Like, it's not like we need to play through these two guys. And so, okay, slow start. So let's uh, make some substitutions. Let's see who comes into the game. Well, Raptors have to call the second timeout, this time 18 to 9 for Charlotte. Uh, you had plays where Gary comes into the game, steals the ball. It's a good thing. Uh, and then decides to go a one on three in the fast break. And um, obviously that's a bad idea. And obviously he gets blocked and he misses uh, the opportunity to capitalize, even though it was a golden chance for the Raptors to, uh, to get some offense there. Then OG gets roasted off the dribble. Uh, then Gary gets roasted off the dribble and then the Raptors, this is what caused Darko to call that timeout after the Raptors, you know, missed another bad shot. Uh, they allowed Nick Richards, the opposing center to run the full length of the floor. Nobody tagged him. Nobody bumped him. It wasn't even like he was leaking out ahead of the pack, like bad floor balance. No, it was just, he literally ran the length of the floor and nobody bumped him, impeded his contact whatsoever. And he was able to drive in for a, a dunk and that caused Darko to get the timeout. And then at that point, it was just like, look, one other app is going to snap out of it. You know, they had like 12 points after 10 minutes in the first quarter. That was a struggle. They also had just like plays that instantly were, you know, swing, you know, plays, hustle plays not made, a.k.a. hustle plays made by the Charlotte Hornets. Things like, okay, so the rebound goes right to Precious. He's right there for it. He should get the rebound, but instead he gets mugged on the rebound and gives up an and one to JT Thor. You know, like that, that, that should be a play where you run out on the fast break or you get the rebound, you push. But instead, it's JT Orr getting a three-point play against you to build a double-digit lead. It's Malachi Flynn wide open in the corner. Smile, say cheese, missed open three. Uh, start the second quarter. The Raptors have Chris Boucher in the game now. The rebound falls right to him. He doesn't manage to grab it. All of a sudden, it's a three for P.J. Washington. And the reason I have these kind of plays listed in my notes is just because, like, this is the kind of thing that games hinge on. Like, you don't make these very simple plays, and it cascades into these other opportunities where all of a sudden you need to catch up, you need to fight harder, you need to extend the minutes to your starters. And these are all just point-blank plays. We're talking about a rebound. We're talking about an open three. We're talking about another rebound. We're talking about this is probably my least favorite play of the game. And I'll get to the good parts because the Raptors do turn it around for sure, as you know. But – the Raptors had a play where it was a turnover in possession or a rebound or whatever, but Precious had the ball, and Gary was streaking wide open, wide ahead, and the play was just throw the hit-ahead pass to Gary. Precious doesn't just not throw the hit-ahead pass. Maybe he doesn't even see him, which is a bit of an issue in the first place, but he tries to dribble it up and push it himself. Is Basically, he charges a guy at half court, but they didn't call it, but the, the, the bump creates this like uncertainty where there's like a turnover, waiting to happen. Thankfully, it doesn't happen. The Raptors get the ball past half court. They swing it over to Dennis, who's wide open on the perimeter, shoots the three, also doesn't go in. Wide open, like literally no one around him doesn't go in. Offense rebound falls to Chris Boucher under the basket. He tries to go up. He gets blocked. It goes out of bounds. Then on the inbounds, the Raptors inbound into Precious. He's somewhat open from three, and he immediately jacks it, and he hits the shot off the backboard. Like, it's sequences like that that, like, 
draw a lot of groans, draws a lot of like, just like, guys, what are we doing? Are we sure we're a serious franchise? Like, are we sure we're a serious franchise? You know, like there, there's just so many of these sequences that, and that's how you get down. Like, it's not even necessarily, it's not even necessarily like, okay, the system is bad or, you know, the, the commitment, you know, is bad or whatever. Like there's degrees of that. Sure. But it's not like that is overall the issue. It's just so many plays not made so many reads not made and it just it starts to compound who's going to actually bring that energy to sort of push it and, and get it open for you and um yeah it was just like that for the whole first half honestly like dennis gets a wide open three misses it uh then the other way dennis fouls in transition and uh you know that 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 leads to free throws for the hornets so that's another negative play another negative play is a sequence where bryce mcgowan's remember him he was i, I guess people found out about bryce mcgowan's when the raptors beat the hornets back to back last year towards the end of the season that was when you know fred had that 2020 game whatever right um but people found out about bryce mcgowan's then well bryce mcgowan's had a two-minute stretch there where he just completely toasted og ananobi like, just toasted him for two minutes. One play, it was on offense for the Hornets. McGowan's comes off a down screen, so someone was sending a, you know, a screen for him off the ball for him to, to lift up to the three-point line. OG gets hung up. He's, he's late on, this, on, on, the, on the play, and McGowan's gets an open three uh, against an inattentive OG Anobi for three. Okay, that's tough. While OG goes the other way, and he's trying to drive it against McGowan's, who's pretty small, like 6'4"-ish, you know, uh, and OG tries to drive it. McGowan's just picks him clean. And they go the other way. McGowan's goes to full length of the floor and throws in uh, a contested layup over top of Jakob Pertl. Like, that, that is another six, seven-point swing there just by himself. And, you know, it, it's, it's things like that that just make you so frustrated. However, it doesn't stop there. Because, again, in terms of the negative plays, OG had a play where the Hornets – Lost the ball. OG got the steal in the middle of the floor. And once again, somebody's streaking right ahead for the Raptors, wide open for the layup. OG tries to throw him the touchdown pass, but it's a lackadaisical, one-handed, lazy pass. It gets picked off uh, literally at half court. Nobody comes over to rotate, and P.J. Washington knocks down a three. So, again, a five-point swing. That's a guaranteed layup the other way. Instead, you give up a three. You know, um, you have a play where the ball swings. Gary's on the wing. He needed to make the extra pass to OG in the corner. Gary doesn't make the extra pass, takes a contested three, and then Dennis commits a foul going the other way. And it's just like, guys, like at a certain point, you know, you, you can't be surprised that you play this type of like a losing style of basketball and that you're losing the game to the Hornets down by four points at halftime. And listen, you're lucky because you're playing the Hornets, a, a, a better team. Even a better Hornets team, a healthy Hornets team, would have had the opportunity to, to buff up the lead against you when you make that many errors. But, you know, the Raptors are in this game, partially because the Hornets are bad, but also partially because they do have some good contributions. And I thought Scotty throughout this whole game was really good. Um, outside of a couple turnovers, he had five turnovers today, but his energy was consistently high. He was consistently, you know, making good plays and rebounding the ball. And just the activity, especially for nights like this where it's like, middle of December, you can get a little bit tired. You can get a little bit slow. I thought, you know, it was really appreciated what, uh, what, what Scotty brought from an energy perspective. Defensively, I thought he was active as well. And just trying to push the break. You know, even the, the little high-low feeds to Chris Boucher, I mean, they, they've, they've got a nice connection. They continue to find each other uh, on a consistent basis. Stuff like that, it was good. I, I, but at the same time, you still need to win this game, you know. And I think that 
that's where I needed to see those adjustments from Darko. And the first half, there was no spots for Jakob. Every time Jakob was in the game, the Hornets would just form like a soft zone. Like literally three defenders always in the paint. Part one, obviously, you know, because of Jakob, but also just like they just constantly had bodies in the paint and it was too difficult for the Raptors to score. And it just didn't feel like Jakob was providing anything. It wasn't even like, okay, he's he's crashing the glass or he's, you know, he, he's blocking shots. Like Jakob's line tonight, 15 minutes, goes two of two from the field, which are obviously both layups. One rebound, one singular rebound in 15 minutes for Jakob Pertl. Two assists, which, okay, but he had four turnovers with that and three fouls of minus 12 in 15 minutes. Like, it was good that Darko, you know, cut his minutes. I commend you, Darko. Now, of course, you got to find a way to get Jakob going. you got to find a way to, you know, find the right lineups and, and even with within those lineups, find the right spacing for these guys on the right roles for these guys to be able to produce. But at least he recognized that it was a problem tonight and he cut it off. No more, no more Jakob, right? Let's bring in Gary with the starting group. And look, Gary has had some tough games. There's no doubt. Uh, Gary has not really played well enough to, to warrant starting minutes, but Gary also has this ability in him. Gary Trent. I haven't mentioned his name yet so far on the show. It's been 15 minutes. It's my apologies because Gary was awesome. He was the difference in this game. 22 points and 10 rebounds for Gary. Like, you talk about wanting a game. Well, you want a game when you show me you can get 10 defensive rebounds as a shooting guard. Gary will probably get 10 rebounds in a week. You know? And he got 10 of them tonight. And, you know, it's not like he was winning every rebounding battle like Dennis Rodman or anything, but even just the activity to stay locked in to, to get those possessions to, you know, you know, find himself to get open. I mean, there were opportunities, sure, where he made bad reads or whatever, but he also made a lot of opportunities work for the Raptors where, you know, second half, I thought the Raptors figured out the same formula that they figured out last time they played the Hornets. And I thought maybe they could have gone to it early, but whatever, as long as you get to it eventually, you know, you're okay. But the Raptors figured out the Hornets want to switch and keep a lot of the action in front and keep, you know, a tight shell in the paint. And so if you run the ball screens with Pascal, if you run the ball screens with Scotty Barnes, you are going to get them switched onto their small guards. In this case, it was Ish Smith who played a lot of the second half. And honestly, Ish Smith, salute to Ish Smith. He had it going in the third quarter. He was like really, you know, just doing his thing. It was the usual Ish Smith thing. Like he, he does that where, you know, he's got the, the mid-range pull-up. He's got the, like the little reverse quick layups. You know, he, he's just a shifty guard. And it was actually really funny for a while watching Ish Smith go up against Dennis Schroeder. Just two guys going deep under, you know, like hard under on both <laughs> ball screens. Like, you know, you, you never see this in the NBA pretty much ever now. Like, I actually don't think that you would find this in any other matchup. But it would be like, okay, Dennis would get a ball screen from whoever, and Ish Smith would go, like, five feet under the, the screen. You'd be, like, in the charge circle going under the screen. And then Dennis would be guarding Ish on the other side, and Dennis would be going five feet under the screen. Like, it, it's just, just unheard of these days. You do that against anyone else, you're getting pull-up threes for days. Um, but regardless... You know, you, you saw that, uh, but at the same time, it's like, okay, Ish can, you know, go under some screens and get his own offense once in a while, and he even had a great kickout pass cross-court for a corner three, but the Raptors were able to turn him into a huge minus by posting him up, attacking mismatches, and what the Raptors did in the second half that really worked was, let's get Pascal straight on the ball, force the Hornets into a switch, now Pascal's got, 
you know, Ish Smith on him. Let Pascal seal around the free throw line. Let's make sure we dribble the ball far enough away, and then we input it into the post, whether that was Dennis, whether that was Malachi. They did a decent job today of finding those mismatches and going from there. If Pascal gets single coverage, he is going to score. He's going to drive downhill. None of these defenders on the Hornets, Pascal even seeing. Like, he's just scoring over all of these guys. And if the Hornets send a double team, which they did quite a bit, then you have options to play out of. All of a sudden, you can do, quote-unquote, .5 offense. You can do the kickouts to Gary for three, which is like the classic play. Pascal kicking out opposite wing to Gary. We had a number of those today. Pascal kicking it out to a shooter. And listen, even though that shooter doesn't take the shot, well, they're still in rotation because they sent two. Swing, 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 and make the right plays. You even saw the Raptors have some good off-ball cuts where Precious got cut, uh, was able to cut uh, downhill for, for a layup uh, off the ball. Uh, you saw, I think, Malachi also cut to the basket, also there for, for a, a, a play. All of that came out of just getting Pascal mismatches, attacking, drawing a double team, and playing out of that. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, quote-unquote, the system or, like, the little dribble handoffs with with, uh, with, with, with Jakob or the off-ball screens with Dennis. Like, that works once in a while for sure, but, like, especially in – Today's game, I mean, I feel like in any era of basketball, so I don't want to just say today's game, but in general, you need to create that mismatch, and that mismatch is there through Pascal against these small guards. It's there through Scotty against these small guards, and this is why I was a little bit like frustrated that it didn't happen earlier because that's how they made their whole big comeback against the Hornets last time they played in Charlotte. It was just Malachi gets a ball screen from Scotty, he gets a switch, and then, and then Scotty would attack Terry Rozier on a switch, and whether he would, you know, just put Rozier under the basket and dunk the ball, or he would then spray the passes out, that you actually have an advantage. And I do feel like for the starters, especially the way they start games, they don't generate enough advantages. You know, giving OG the ball in most instances, unless it's a wide-open catch-and-shoot or he's attacking like a slow closeout, is not an advantage. Giving the ball to, to Jakob, unless he's rolling to the basket with nobody in his way, is not an advantage. Giving the ball right now to Dennis is not an advantage unless he's actually able to turn the corner against the space floor and get to the basket. He, he got, he's good for some of those quick drive layups. He, we saw that a, a couple times today. But for the most part, he's not creating many advantages. Where you create your advantages are through Pascal and Scotty, And that's what the Raptors did for the second half. Pascal really had it going to the end of the third quarter. The Raptors were only down two heading into the fourth quarter. Then... You know, that started with Scotty um, also putting pressure on the basket. And whatever, this is where I credit the hustle guys because now with the Raptors putting in that pressure on the rim, they're taking shots closer to the basket. All of a sudden, Precious is able to, to, to crash in for a couple opportunities. Chris Boucher was able to crash in for a couple opportunities. Chris ate an elbow to the face, cutting to the basket for a flagrant one. That's fine because he was able to get the Raptors that extra possession and, you know, make some free throws. Um, I thought Precious was, was Johnny on the spot and, and put, some, put some opportunities back in. And, you know, it was great to see just those two guys providing energy and effort, uh, which is something that I feel like the Raptors starters don't play with the intensity of uh, a Precious or, 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 or of Chris. And I think those were, especially thinking to when those lineups really worked, which also was when the Raptors actually were able to pull off some win streaks. This is back in like two seasons ago now. Precious and Chris were able to come in and provide great energy and play off of the playmaking of their big wings. Like, that is the formula. Like, for better or for worse, you need to run that Vision 6-9 offense for this Vision 6-9 team. It cannot be just 
point guard, center, high lows. It's just it, those go nowhere. And you saw how efficiently the Raptors were able to run their offense. And then late in the game, when Pascal checked into the game, you know, with about four or five or about six minutes left. And by this point, and you got to give the bench credit, guys like Precious, guys like Chris were able to supplement what Scotty was doing to push the, the lead up. Also, Gary did a little bit of that, too. So give him some credit. But, you know, eight point game, you bring your, you know, best lineups back in. And first off, I was curious to see, OK, what does Darko do? Does he put Jakob back in the game? He didn't. Again, Jakob didn't play for like the entire fourth quarter. Um, he brought in Pascal. He closed with Gary. And, of course, it's easier to close with Gary when he's having a good game like this. But, you know, still, they ran the right offense. They got Pascal to mismatches, and he either, you know, was drawing the double team and kicking it to Malachi for three or, or to kicking it to Gary for three, or he was getting single coverage and he was scoring. And ones, mid-range pull-ups, you know, the scoring was consistently there. And when you look at the fourth quarter, Raptors win 35-18 to 18 in the fourth quarter. That's because of the adjustments made by Darko, but it's also because that the Raptors actually played through their mismatches for once. So, look, I'm just hoping that it happens on a more consistent basis. Like, it shouldn't really have to be a situation where you have to beg for the Raptors to play through mismatches, for anything to play through mismatches. Like, it's just, you know, that's what that's what the offense should be predicated on. It really is. And I, I appreciate the ball movement, but, like, you know, at a certain point, you just need to do what works. And the ball is there when they play the style. They had 30 assists tonight. They had some great passing sequences. You know, again, Pascal with a touch pass to Scotty Barnes for a dunk. You know, the fact that these two guys, they know how to play with each other. They know how to play off of each other. And you can create the, the advantages. But, again, those guys have to have the ball in the right spots. And it just shouldn't be so much of a struggle to get to that point. But, yeah, you saw Pascal, 27 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. He was awesome. Scotty Barnes, 22-17-7. He was awesome with three blocks as well. Um, and you just go from there. And and I don't know. I mean, like obviously you're not going to get this every game from Gary. But at the same time, this is where if you had to make the argument for why Gary should start, despite the fact that he's on, on a slow start to the season, he plays well when other guys draw that attention, you know. And I would argue the other guys do, too. Like, it's not like Dennis didn't, you know, play off a ton of that attention. You know, I, I know I described some air balls from Dennis earlier, but he was 4-6 tonight, 3-5 of five from 3, uh, 5 assists. You know, had the 3 turnovers, which in the first 5 minutes, which was uncharacteristic, but he stopped turning the ball over. He was fine the rest of the way. You know, but in terms of being able to play off of those starters, that's what these guys need to do. They need to play off of the top two guys on the team, point-blank period, and it needs to happen over and over again. It's I refer people back to... Again, this David Thorpe interview that we did last week where he talked about it so much. You just, you know, it's not a democracy. His analogy was it's not a democracy. It's a monarchy. You feed the king. And the two kings are Pascal and Scotty. That's it. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that they did that tonight. Of course, like, whatever. You, you want to slag the Hornets, uh, be my guest. I, they were certainly not very impressive, and they have a lot of guys that, you know, you wouldn't expect to do that much. But I'll give them the credit. They came in. They played hard. They weren't expecting to have – you know, some of the roster shortages between the injuries and also Miles Bridges being a criminal. Um, but, you know, like, they, they they were in the lead for a lot of this game. I credit them for doing that, and I credit the Raptors for coming back and actually taking what was theirs and winning in, in rightful fashion. So my only hope is that they consistently do this. Like, you know, for example, they didn't do this enough to, against Atlanta, right? Now, of course, Atlanta was playing a different scheme. They weren't switching as much. So it's not like you can always do this. But, like, find ways to attack Trey Young. Find ways to... You know, get Pascal Scotty isolated against Trey Young, draw some help, and just play from there. Like, it's not, quote-unquote, the offense or, you know, whatever. But, 
I don't know. Like, I want to see good basketball. I want to see winning competitive basketball. I don't see why you couldn't even develop out of that idea, too. But you need to have some sort of, like, grounding principle of how you want to play. And I thought the Raptors found it the second half tonight. So hopefully they, they roll it over. But then again, it could also just be the fact that they played against the Hornets, who were rather dreadful, I must say. Um, you know, they, they made quite a few errors themselves. But, uh, yeah, Raptors win. They take care of business. Your three stars to wrap your uh, – man, difficult to pick, honestly. Um, I'm going to get first out of Pascal, though. 27 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, a steal, 11 to 16 from the field, five or six from the free throw line. Made a corner three as well, but that was ruled off because of a moving screen, whatever. Like, I'm not trying to give him extra points. I'm just saying that, you know, even added that extra, uh, uh, you know, play in there. There was a steal that he had on Brandon Miller in the open court. I thought he did a good job of attacking the rookie on the dribble and got him to cough the ball up. He was able to get the steal and run out for the dunk. He, I just thought he was great, especially in the second half. Super efficient, you know, really, really effective. And, um, you know, I just uh, want to see more of it. That's that's all. I, I think I've said that 25 times in this episode, but please, please do this. I'm begging on behalf of the fan base to play through your top two guys. Second stars, Scotty Barnes. Honestly, this is a 1A, 1B star situation. But Scotty, 22 points, 17 rebounds, five offensive, seven assists, three blocks, uh, a couple turnovers, but, like, plus 22 in 39 minutes. Like, yeah, you needed it. And I, I, I like seeing him, the Darko play smaller. Obviously, when you have, you know, Jakob off the floor, that means Scotty's playing a little bit more small ball center. Well, you know what? He's got size. He can actually jump and, and block a shot. Uh, you know, we saw him do a lot of that tonight. Um, it's just a different matchup. You know, he's able to rebound in the crowd. He's able to push the ball. You don't have to wait for it. Like, there's just a lot of advantages when you play small with him. Now, of course, you don't want to play small the whole, you know, 39 minutes. I get it. Like, if you ask Scotty to play small ball center for the whole 39 minutes, you get back to last year's problem. So it's a situational thing. But as long as you recognize which situations to use which guys, you can get good results. And he was awesome tonight. And then your third star, very obvious, but Gary Trent. Credit to you, Gary, honestly. 22 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal. You could tell that, you know, Gary... Look, I'm not saying that he makes the right reads, and I think off the bench he can definitely play better. That would help the Raptors as a group. They desperately need somebody to be productive off the bench, especially from the guard position. I've been saying this for three years now. Um, and I know that Gary's not happy playing that role. And that you, you know, you can read in between the lines, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's not reporting. That's just like you could tell. He's not particularly happy with it. But when he gets those opportunities, and especially if the Raptors orient their offense properly, he can play off of those guys, and that's why there is this push to start him because he complements a lot of what they do. And, of course, it's up to Darko, right? Like, I don't think he's going to bench Dennis. Look, if you want to keep a point guard on the floor, fine. Keep Dennis on the floor. Then start Gary over Jakob. And I know it's going to be awkward because the front office just traded a first-round pick, you know, whatever. It might be a situation where you don't – there's no winning, right? There's no, like, you can't avoid a loss anywhere. But I, my most important thing is can you avoid losing games to so the Charlotte Hornets? Can you avoid losing games, period, and be more competitive? And you put Gary into the starting lineup. First off, okay, you're starting small, but you now have five guys who can score, five guys who can shoot. Right? You, you want more spacing in the, in the starting lineup? Taking your, one of your best three-point shooters, and Gary, I know he's been down, is still probably your second or third best three-point shooter on the team. You take him in for your worst three-point shooter, who, in, in Jakob, who obviously isn't even shooting. How does that not improve the spacing? You know what I mean? So if Darko's willing to close with it, why not try to start with it as well? But, hey, listen, I'm going to trust his, his judgment. I've, I've been going hard at him, and I feel like he made the right adjustments here today. Um, and even though it was just a win over the Hornets, you got to start somewhere, and you got to show him the props for doing that. So 
your Gerald Henderson Award, just to wrap up. Uh, I mean, I'll give it a, I'll give it a Bryce McGowan's. It's just, yeah, I mean, good for him. He had that stretch where he bullied OG for two minutes, and I just couldn't believe it. Um, I think, I think what's clouding my feeling about this, and this is something I gotta just like, you know, sort with myself because this is not totally fair to to OG. But like when I'm watching OG in the back of my mind, I'm like, is this a forty million dollar play? You know, like, is this is that a forty million dollar stop? And OG got him some big stops down the stretch too. There was a play where he stopped Rozier, made Rozier give it up, give it up to Brandon Miller. He switched on to Brandon Miller and then and then stopped Brandon Miller as well. Cool, that was a forty million dollar stop. But <laughs> when Bryce McGowan sunned him for two straight minutes, I was like shocked. So shouts to Bryce McGowan, uh, fourteen points, five rebounds, and assists. A steal, a block. Um, I don't know. It's the horn. It's shorthanded. I don't know what else you expect. So thanks all for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the Raptors show. And uh, I know a lot of people have been asking about a banter pod as well. I'm trying to negotiate the timing with my co-host Alex Wong for those. We're going to try to find one in time for the holidays. I know that's what... Uh, Look, I know that even if the Raptors are losing, people still want banter pod. People still want a good time. So something to take their mind off of... Uh, you know, whatever is happening on the court and just sort of like relax a little bit. So I'm going to try to find time to, to get one in. But, uh, you know, if not before the holidays, it will be during the holidays. So thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, just if they win the next game against, you know, Denver, say it ain't so. But if they find a way to, to, to compete against Denver and somehow take the win. And by the way, they did beat Denver last year when Denver came to Toronto. Let's just put that out there. All of a sudden, you might feel a lot different. But, of course, that's a huge, huge if. We'll see what happens.